You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. This is episode 61 of Leading and Learning, and David Spell here with you. And uh, today I want to talk about something that's actually been controversial in the life of the church, and that's the subject of healing. And um, you know, the question of does God still heal? Uh, can we pray for people to be healed? Uh, when we pray for people to be healed, does God answer? And can we see healings today like we saw in the New Testament? And so what I actually want to do in this episode is is kind of go through the New Testament and, and give us an overview of, of what healing looked like in the New Testament. And you know, the New Testament is full of examples of people getting healed. In the Old Testament, too, but, but I really want to focus on this episode on, uh, on the New Testament. And the first four books of the, uh, of the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, focus on the life of Jesus. And as most of you know, especially if you spend any time reading the Gospels, that a, a very large part of Jesus' ministry was healing the sick. He taught, he did a lot of great things, but he wasn't just a a social voice. He wasn't just somebody who came to um, help the oppressed and the poor. He came to actually bring healing to sick bodies. And, you know, as you read through the Gospels, in many cases, um, you'll see the the same uh, healing recounted in different Gospels. Um, But in, in other cases, you'll have situations where a gospel writer will cover a healing that's not included somewhere else. Um, for example, John acknowledges that there are many more miracles that Jesus performed, but he has recorded ones for a specific reason. Uh, John said that he recorded the, the, the miracles that he, he, he recorded. He wrote down the ones that he wrote down to lead the reader to faith in Christ. So I encourage you, spend time in the Gospels. Look at what Jesus did and how he did it. Um, you know, it's it's one thing for us to talk about healing today. It's one thing for us to talk about praying for people and doing things for, for people. But, you know, the, the best example that we can have is following Jesus' example if we're going to pray for people to get healed. The next book after the Gospels in the New Testament is the, the Acts of the Apostles. And in, in the Acts of the Apostles, as, as we've actually talked about in a previous podcast, is the first 30 years of church history. And in Acts, instead of seeing Jesus performing miracles, instead of seeing Jesus performing healings, you see the disciples performing these miracles and performing the healings. Or we could say you can see Jesus performing these things through his people, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because, of course, we know that when Jesus ascended, he sent down the Holy Spirit, his presence, his life, to live inside his church, to live inside each of his followers. 
And so what you see is you see Jesus' followers, the disciples, the apostles, performing healings, but they're following the pattern and the example that Jesus gave to them. Um, Acts primarily focuses on the ministries of Peter and Paul and recounts a number of the miracles that they performed. The writer of Acts also mentions the, the work of Stephen and Philip and, and some others and makes it clear that they also performed signs and miracles and healings. Now, after Acts, we have some letters, and, and really the rest of the New Testament is composed of letters to individuals and churches, um, with the exception of the last book of the New Testament, the Revelation. Now, these writings, the, the letters that are written to the churches, don't really provide us with, with examples of healings. But Paul does, however, um, mention in his letter to the church of, of Rome, for example, he wrote a letter to the church there, the fact that he's performed many miracles and healings through the course of his ministry. In fact, Paul said that these, these miracles, these signs that he performed were signs that he was a true apostle. Now, that'll mess with your theology if, if, if it takes performing signs and wonders to be looked at as a, as a true minister of the gospel. And I don't think that's the case by any means, but it does um, show how important they were in the early church. Now, getting back to the Gospels. Um, when we talk about the Gospels, we see a number of different types of healings in the Gospels. First of all, Jesus heals people who have some type of sickness. Um, Peter's mother-in-law, for example, um, was sick with a high fever. Now, today we don't think of a fever as being that, that serious or that dangerous, but in the first century they didn't have medicines. And, and it was easy, if you had a high fever, you could die. And so this was a potentially fatal issue. And, and Jesus, um, one account of this story is in Mark uh, 1, verses 29 to 31, and and, you know, this, this type of healing might not sound as impressive as healing a blind man or raising the dead or something like that, but um, let's, let's not forget that, that a, um, a fever in the first century could actually be potentially life-threatening. And another interesting factor about this, uh, this story, the, the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, is, is the fact that it was performed on a woman. Um, now, again, to the modern reader, we could overlook this, not think twice about it, but in Jesus' day especially in Palestine, women regarded it, were regarded as little more than property. Um, the fact that Jesus went out of his way to heal women, children, societal outcasts, gives us a much better grasp of his heart for all humanity. And then as we're talking about this healing of, of Peter's mother-in-law again with the fever, um, let, let's note the simplicity of it. Um, Jesus didn't say a lot of words. He didn't, didn't appear to have yelled or um, raised his voice. It just says that he took her hand and helped her up. In another place, I believe it says that he spoke to the fever and, and told it to leave. But irregardless, regardless, the, the fact that you know he touched her, he helped her up, she was healed. And as she got up, the fever left her. In this case, Jesus didn't even have to say anything. His, his presence and his touch were enough to bring the healing to someone who was sick. And again, this is in Mark 1, 29 to 31, if you want to check the reference. Now, another type of healing that we see in the Gospels are those with some kind of serious medical condition or disease. Now, a, a, a great example of this can be found in Mark 5, verses 24 to 34. Uh, the woman in this story had some type of hemorrhaging, some type of menstrual disorder that she had had for over 12 years. 
Um, there was this constant bleeding. And, and again, this is a potentially fatal situation because the, the, the bleeding appears to have been um, you know, some, some type of constant flow of blood. And she had spent her life savings on going to doctors who had not been able to cure her. And because of the Jewish law, this woman's condition would have rendered her ceremonial unclean and would have banned her from, from attending any type of public event, especially any type of religious event. And because of her medical condition, she had lost her health, her wealth, and her place in society and the religious community. But she had evidently heard enough about Jesus to understand that he could heal her. She had understood, she heard, heard enough about him to believe that maybe she had a chance of getting healed if she could get close enough. And, and so we see this, this, this aspect of faith growing in her heart. And she felt that uh, a large crowd pressing in around Jesus would give her the perfect cover to approach him unnoticed. And there was a common belief in the ancient world that a, a healer's clothes contained healing power. They were, they were part of him. And so as Jesus walked in the middle of this crowd, she, she reached through it and, and was able to touch just the, the edge of his robe. And, and, and she didn't want Jesus to know that she had touched him. Um, she just wanted the, the healing off of his clothes, if you will. Um, you know, it would be embarrassing. I mean, really, uh, technically, by touching Jesus, she would be making him unclean as well. And so she didn't want to be humiliated in a public setting. But as her hand touched Jesus' robe, the bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed. And, and it's fascinating that, that in, in Mark's gospel it says that Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He felt something as well. She felt something. It says that she, she knew she was healed of her, her serious condition, but Jesus felt it as well. And so the, uh, the gospel writers paint, paint this really funny picture of, of Jesus walking in the middle of this crowd and feeling something, feeling healing power leaving his body and then stopping abruptly and making the crowd bump into each other and, and, um, as they come to a stop as well. And Jesus' question of, who touched my clothes? Well, it was, again, it was, it was uh, almost humorous if, if it wasn't uh, so rude the way the disciples asked Jesus. They said, you know, when Jesus said, who touched my clothes? Basically, they said, Jesus, everybody's touching you. What a dumb question. But Jesus understood, and he, he kept looking. And finally, the woman realized that Jesus knew. So she fell before him and told him her story. And Jesus had some very kind words for her. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And actually in the Greek, we could translate this, your faith has saved you. Um, this is a much more literal translation of the Greek, but your faith has saved you. And you know, Jesus didn't tell every person that got healed this. Um, there are only two or three. He told this woman, and he told Nicodemus, the, the blind man. Um, he said, your faith has saved you. Not just has your faith healed you, your faith has saved you. So Jesus actually seems to be telling this woman that not only has she been, has been healed, but her faith has also led to her salvation. And then another type of, of healing that Jesus performed was where someone had been born with some type of disability. He healed people who were lame from birth, uh, deaf, mute, and blind. John provides an excellent example of this in chapter 9. John 9, he says there was a man who had been born blind. And 
Um, when Jesus encountered him, he spat on the ground, made some mud, and rubbed the mud on the blind man's eyes. And, and then Jesus told him to go wash the mud off in the pool of Siloam. Um, now, presumably, this man had somebody to lead him to the pool where he washed the mud out of his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, he could see for the first time in his life. And for the man who was healed, he became the center of controversy. The religious leaders questioned him closely and, and eventually ended up kicking him out of the synagogue because he believed that Jesus was a prophet. And Jesus had performed this healing on the Sabbath, so that would be considered work. And, of course, we can't do work on the Sabbath, so this would be um, something that, that the religious leaders would be... In fact, this is something that Jesus and the religious leaders argued about over and over again. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or not? And, uh, you know, with, with Jesus, he felt that healing the blind man was much more important than, than keeping the Sabbath. And as John often did in his gospel, he used this healing as an opportunity for Jesus to share a, a deeper spiritual truth. Jesus drew a, a contrast between this man who, who'd been born blind but now could see with the religious leaders. They had their physical sight, but they were spiritually blind. Now, these are just a few examples of, of healings that we see in the New Testament. Each gospel should be studied closely to see which miracles and healings that the author includes. And these often provide, you know, one of the keys to understanding that particular gospel. But for us, and, and now we, we, we're wrapping up, it's, it's your turn. I'd love to hear from you. And what do you think? I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to read these stories about Jesus healing people and doing miracles. It's one thing to read the Acts of the Apostles and see the, the, the early church doing these things. But what about you? Um, have you prayed for somebody to get healed and have they gotten healed? Or have you been too scared? Um, you know, it's easy to let the fear of, well, this might not work, come in. But, you know, I think the important thing is, are we willing to pray for somebody and ask God to heal them? Um, you know, I, every now and then I'll hear people say, oh, you know, why doesn't God do miracles today like he did in the first century? And, you know, what I wonder is, why don't we ask him? for miracles like the church did in the first century. Because often the people that are saying, you know, why doesn't God do miracles today, aren't asking Him. But I'm convinced if we'll put our hands on people, if we'll lay hands on people, if we'll pray for people and ask God for healing, ask God for a miracle, we'll be surprised at what He might do. So I'd love to hear from you. Let me know your experience. Let me know what you think. Go to davidspell.com. Leave your question or your comment in the comment section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. I publish uh, three blog posts a week, and by subscribing, they'll just slide right into your inbox and you won't miss a single issue. Also, subscribers get my free monthly subscribers-only newsletter. So sign up. I know you're going to love it. And I love staying in touch with, uh, with folks that are, you know, subscribe. It's just an easier way to maintain close contact and, and um, share life together. Well, now it's time for this week's resource highlight. And, you know, we've been talking about in this episode um, healing in the New Testament. And my book, Miracles in Mark, examines in detail 
all of the miracles and all the supernatural experiences in Mark's gospel. So this is a this is a book that's been used in different parts of the world in the U.S. for for group Bible studies for personal Bible studies. I encourage you to check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes. Miracles in Mark, um, really a great way to jumpstart your study on this important subject of healing and um, the and I hate to say the pursuit of miracles, but the 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 this idea of asking God to do things. You know, I really believe the church today limits themselves by not asking God for healings and for miracles. We can't just assume that God's going to do it. The early church didn't. They asked for it. Um, Jesus didn't just assume God was going to heal somebody. He prayed for them and laid hands on them. And so I think for us, too, we have to maybe change the way we think. And so check out my book, Miracles and Mark. It's a great way to jumpstart a study on this important subject for you. And as we close today, could I ask for just a small favor? If you would go to iTunes and give Leading and Learning a review. Your reviews help push us higher in the ratings so we can get our content to more awesome people just like you. So until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to pursue your passion.